You're listening to Life in Limbo, a podcast about building a life you love on the foundation of what's most important to you. I'm your host, Stephanie Pellet, and each week I'll be chatting with an interesting person to explore how we can stay connected to our personal values, measure what matters most to us, listen to our own voices, and build a life we love. This week on the show, I'm talking to Monica Seiler about her decision to listen to her gut, leave a 17-year-long stage management career in Toronto, and move home to buy a house near where she grew up. Let's go. Hi, Moni. Hi, Steph. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm so excited. Happy to be here. You were one of the very first people that I thought of when I started thinking about this show, um, because I've always wanted to ask you some of the questions we're going to talk about today. Um, I've always thought it was like such an interesting move that you made, um, and I wanted to unpack it a little bit. So... Moni. Moni Seiler is here with me today. Um, Moni and I know each other through her sister, Sonia, who runs a company called Nurture Retreats. Um, But Moni, can you tell us a little bit about you? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. I, uh, well, uh, what's to tell? I recently did a big life change, I would say, uh, about two and a half years ago. I used to be a stage manager living and working in Toronto and uh, touring all over Canada and all throughout Europe, and then uh, have, in the last three years, I guess, completely changed my life, Mm. and gone from a crazy whirlwind 18-hour day schedule to uh, a very open, (laughs) relaxed, Mm -hmm. calm schedule, and moved from the bustling city of Toronto to the tiny, tiny town of Almont, Ontario. I experienced the downtown Almont experience yesterday. Absolutely. It was wonderful. (laughs) I have to say, I really think that this town is like about to be really cool. Um, it already is really cool. I think so. so. (laughs) But I think it's about to get even cooler. Um, there's a number of really amazing stores on the downtown strip. We went to a store called cheerfully made yesterday. Um, that your friend Emily runs and it's so beautiful and just seems like it's you know, injected so much life into the town. So I kind of think you're ahead of the curve with the tiny postage stamp of Almont. Oh yeah. Everyone's <laughs> going to want to live here. I kind of, I kind of want to live here now. I'm yeah. like, and the houses are this beautiful as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing that everybody should know that you didn't really mention is that Moni is like interior designer extraordinaire. I mean, that's not what you do for work <laughs> right now or potentially ever, but your house is so freaking beautiful. It's amazing. Like it looks like it's out of a magazine. Um, I will definitely include a link to your newly, uh, christened hashtag in the show notes. So everybody can see what the happy nest looks like, but it is so beautiful. Um, and just the attention to detail comes through in like every room feels different and is so beautiful. Um, Yeah, so not only did you escape the hustle and bustle, but you also, like, bought your own home, right? And now you live here. Um, Which is, I think, a goal that seems so far away for me that it's not even something that has entered my conscious mind as something I could want or could have. 
Um, do you remember when that started becoming a goal that you actually were like, maybe I can make this a reality? Like, what was that story? I think I was about three years old. <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> let's, let's take it right back. Um, no, but actually, I think my favorite game as a kid was playing house. Mm. And I would always ask Sonia if she would play house with me. And the answer was mm, usually no. <laughs> she was too busy reading yes, and, yeah. you know, doing her own thing. Um, so I would just, uh, I, I remember this like vividly, I would take a blanket and I would put it in the middle of my parents' living room mm. and I would then take every single doll or like kitchen unit or pot and pan or little mini stove or whatever I had. And I would put it all around the perimeter of the blanket, enclosing myself in the middle so that I was like, it was my house. It was my fort. I had my dolls and like, I would be a-okay for hours, mm. hours and hours and hours. It was one of my favorite things to do. And so that, uh, then of course, uh, I eventually stopped doing that. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, uh, and then I, uh, you know, became an adult and went to school and went to university and then ended up, you know, touring a lot with my old job. And what I found frustrating with touring is that you are constantly going from one place to another. You're living out of a suitcase. Uh, you don't necessarily live in a place that speaks to you or speaks to your vibe or your energy or your decor preferences. Mm. And, um, and I found that incredibly hard on myself because I was, you know, constantly trying to sort of make it feel like home. But I remember being in a basement apartment in Winnipeg with like a black silk, um, sleeping bag as my bedding, <laughs> which is just not who I am. Right. Um, you know, so you have these things that kind of just um, were adding up over time and, and making me go, oh, okay, I, like, I can't wait for the day where I can have my own bedroom. And I remember that was a big day, moving to the beaches in Toronto. And uh, I had a roommate at the time and uh, just thinking, this is so cool that I have my, mm. own, my very own bedroom with my very own closet that I can hang my very own clothes in and no mm. longer live out of a suitcase. Uh, so that was step one. And then step two was then eventually realizing I really wanted to live on my own entirely. Um, so then I moved to a, a tiny 500 square foot basement apartment in Cabbage Town in mm. Toronto, which I loved. And I, I called it the Hobbit Hole. Mm. It was my happy place. Uh, and, you know, did with it what I could um, with with very limited space. But then, uh, again, still always in the background was this, like, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. Like, yeah, baby steps. I've sort of now done my own thing. But, like, I want something where I can, like, punch a hole in the wall and it's okay because it's my wall. And mm. not have to, like, ask a landlord or, like, can I paint this this color or mm. whatever. Um, so, yeah. So I started to uh, get tired after, I think it was six years I lived in the basement in Cabbage Town. I started to get tired of basement life, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've all been there and uh, started looking at other options and then very quickly realized that I, I uh, if I wanted to buy in Toronto specifically at that time, I did not have 1.2 million to like throw at a tiny oh, shack gosh. that would need like a whole heck of a lot of work. So I started to look at condos and I started to look at other options and just sort of see, okay, you know, I have to stay in Toronto for my career. So what are my options? How can I do this one thing that I really, really want to do of, of buying a home? And the answer basically was you can't. Mm -hmm. um, I remember looking at a condo uh, in the distillery district that was just being built and, uh, you know, going to the showroom, meeting all the people, getting the swag bag, sort of like drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> And then I was like, I can make this happen. And then thinking, but I'll be house poor for the rest of my life. Like, I will literally just never actually catch up. 
and feel like I'm in a place where I can afford this. And this is all me doing this like 100% on my own, you know, I, uh, not with a life partner, not with a boyfriend, not with a sister, not with a roommate, just like 100% something for myself, which is what I, I really wanted to do. So I, uh, I then thought, okay, well, something's got to give because I need a house and I need it like now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, if it's not, if it's the location, that's the problem. What's keeping me here? And then I was like, well, it's my career and I love my career. I've worked 17 years to become a stage manager and to, you know, work my way up the ladder and, and, um, have a very fruitful career in Toronto. And then I realized, well, hang on a second. How do I actually really feel about my career? Do Mm. I feel like there's a future in that? You know, where am I at? So I had like a good solid like session with myself where I sat down and I, I sort of looked at, I looked at all of my mentors in theater who I had worked underneath and who, um, had inspired me and brought me to the place where I was and who were colleagues, coworkers. And I looked at each of them and there were five in particular who were all women, incredibly strong, wonderful women who really like without them, I would have never had the career that I had. Um, but they were all over 40. Uh, they were single, they didn't have children and they, for the most part, uh, some did, but most didn't own their own property. And so I went, huh? Mm. I was like, okay, so this is what my future could look like, mm. essentially, if I were to just continue to do what it is I'm doing. Um, not to say that that's guaranteed, but, and, and, you know, for all I know, they love, they love where they're at, and that's awesome. But for me personally, I was like, that's not going to work for me. I need, I need more. I need the opportunity to do something that's a little bit more me. So I thought, okay, well, just for kicks... I'm going to look up what prices are for a house somewhere in like where my parents live, like maybe Almont. I love Almont. I always go visit it every time I'm home. So then I logged on to MLS and I looked up Almont and then I actually burst out laughing when I saw the first house because it was like, it was being advertised for like one ninety nine. And I was like, uh, cool. <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, uh, and it was like a three bedroom house on a river. So I was like, okay, all right. Well, this is maybe a good direction to start with. Mm. So I, uh, you know, I, I thought long and hard about it. I was like, okay, well, if I leave Toronto, that means I'm leaving all of my friends, all of my work connections, my entire career behind me. Um, but I'm gaining a house, which is something that since age three was sort of like something that really spoke to me. So, uh, I had one last contract, uh, at Versailles in France doing an opera. And I thought that would be sort of a nice way to Mm. wrap up the old career, do the swan song and, uh, end on a high note, um, perhaps literally. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, went to France, did the last opera with all of my friends working with me, uh, had a lovely champagne toast when the curtain went down and just felt, I was nervous because I thought when that curtain comes down at the end of that last opera, am I going to be like, what have I done? You know, like, am I going to be super sad? And I can only equate the feeling that I had at that moment with the genie in Aladdin when he's set free (laughs) and he just like bounces around everywhere. He's like, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Um, That is exactly how I felt. I was just like pure happiness. Mm. So I, uh, while I was in Europe, I toured around a bit and just sort of took advantage of the fact that this probably wouldn't be happening anytime soon. Uh, After you buy a house, you know, your your money sort of goes elsewhere. So I spent a couple months in Europe and then I came home and moved in with my parents because Mm. uh, that was sort of the plan was live with them for a bit, look around for homes, 
see what works uh, and also look for a job. So that was incredibly, um, well, I, I wouldn't say frustrating. I would just say new because it was, um, who I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had all these skills from a very niche sort of area, but I'm moving to the tiniest town ever. And like, they, sh they sure don't have a theater troupe here <laughs> um, that would pay me anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I just sort of like left it up to the universe to sort of fill in the blanks, be mm -hmm. like, I'm here, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to buy a house. Let's see if we can make this all happen. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, if you're trying to buy a house, they want to know where you're working. So I had to sort of get the job down first. And I was very fortunate to meet a man who ran an opera company, believe it or not, in Elmont, Ontario. Mm. And um, except his company was bringing people to see opera. It wasn't right. producing opera. So uh, I sat down with him and I basically said, I love your company. I love what you do. And should you ever be in need of someone extremely organized who has <laughs> skills X, Y, and Z, then just like, give me a call. And uh, so we met over drinks and we shook on, on the fact that I would basically work for him for free for a month. And if he liked my skills, then uh, we would have a conversation then and, and see where it went. And uh, luckily, uh, we both really liked each other. And uh, after I think it was day three, he and my colleague said, uh, you're not leaving. You're not allowed to leave. So it was a really wonderful experience. And uh, that basically was my key to getting approval mm. to from the bank and everyone to um, to buy a house. And I had done the only reason that at age 29 at the time I was able to even consider buying a home was because Monica from the past, who was a smart gal who I would like to shake her hand, because seriously, I don't even remember doing this. Um, I had decided to put away almost like 60% of my paychecks to into my RRSPs. So instead of getting paid, you know, $1,000 a week, you know, I would, most of that would go, or 60% of that would go into my RRSP, and then I'd only end up with, you know, uh, uh, with the remainder amount and live off of that. But after you set that up to automatically happen in your right, bank, right. you don't even realize the money that you're missing out on. Right. You just learn how to adapt and live with a certain budget. And so I did that probably from age, I would say age 23 onwards and was able to, uh, basically make 20 grand in a few years. And, uh, that became my down payment for my mm -hmm, house. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I didn't need a loan. I didn't need help from anyone. Um, I was able to do it entirely on, on my own. And in Canada, as a first time home buyer, you can use your RRSPs, which is really, mm -hmm. really handy mm -hmm. as long as you pay them back over, I think it's like 25 years. Right. So yeah. So that basically was like my journey of coming here. And, um, Finding the house was also a journey. I think I looked at eight, eight or nine different properties and with every property, uh, you know, had this imagination. I was like, oh, this could work and this could work and this could work. But nothing really felt like 100% until the happy nest. Yeah. Which we're sitting, we're sitting in the linen closet of the happiness. <laughs> we sure are. And even the linen closet is cute. There's like a poster on the wall and all that. Well, first of all, there's so much that you just said there that I... I'm just so inspired by and want to like dig into. I think the thing that stands out to me is your willingness to even look at the reality of the facts on the table and, and ask yourself, well, is this actually in alignment with what I want mm -hmm. and actually make a different choice? Like, I think that that 
is a hard thing for a lot of people to even do. You know, you're so ingrained, you're so enmeshed in your daily life. Like you had 17 years, you'd worked in this field. Um, and the faith that it requires to just look at that and then take that leap. And, you know, you're still in process, but you absolutely know, we were talking about this yesterday. Um, you have no doubt in your mind that like, this is where you're meant to be. Like, do you think that that's something you've always done is being able to take a step back and look at things? Or was that just unique to this experience? Because this goal was like so strongly held for you. I think, I think I have my training in stage management to thank for that actually, because Mm. as stage managers, we're taught to, to think ahead and to look ahead Mm. well in advance that anyone else is. So we're not necessarily like we're being in the present and we're acting in the present, but half of our brain is dedicated to the next hour, the next 10 minutes, the next day, the next week. Um, and so we're always sort of trying to, um, you know, problem solve before problems come up. Mm. And so I sort of used that way of thinking in, in my decision-making to move to Almont when I thought, okay, if I'm having a conversation with Monica at age 50, right? what, what does that conversation consist of? You know, am I looking back on my life going, oh yeah, my thirties, that's, you know, that's when I was living in the hobbit hole for like 13 years. And that's when I was, you know, working contract to contract. And yeah, I had a couple of great shows in there, but you know, like still living in Toronto and mm-hmm, cost of mm-hmm. living is super expensive. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, am I looking back on it and going, oh, my thirties, well, that's when I went canoeing in Algonquin park on the weekends. And that's when I had, you know, Sunday night dinners with my parents every week. And, and that's actually a huge, a huge reason why I also decided to move back home was, uh, with my schedule and with the living in Toronto, I only saw my parents maybe two or three times a year. Mm -hmm. And every time I saw them, they looked older Mm -hmm. and, and just to even notice that they looked older from the last Mm -hmm. time, I was like, that's not okay with me. Mm -hmm. You know, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be able to see the change in their appearance that, that tells me right then and there that it's like not enough time spent with them. So I thought, well... Wouldn't it be grand if we could have like a weekly family date? Right. You know, we've always been incredibly close. And so I thought, how cool would that be to just like live down the road from them and be able to have Sunday night family dinners and alternate who hosts and, you know, mm. have that one, those wonderful memories. Um, because, yeah, they're great people and I want to spend time with them. So that was a huge reason behind that. And, uh, yeah. And so this conversation with my 50 year old self was like, okay, well, no, obviously you're going to choose the option where you get, you know, lots of love from your family and you get to have weekends where you're walking in the woods and hiking and, you know, hanging out with friends in downtown Elmont and, uh, <laughs> you know, like doing all these road trips and all these like things that sort of, in my opinion, boost the quality of life that I am looking for. Absolutely. Um, which w- I wouldn't necessarily get in Toronto. Right. And in the most beautiful house ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that thought exercise to think about a conversation with your older self. I also loved the thought exercise you mentioned about looking to your heroes. You know, I always mm-hmm. think about like, um, they talk about l- climbing a ladder, but make sure the ladder is up against the right wall. Yep. So that you don't get yep. to the top of the wrong wall. Yep. Um, and I think about that all the time of like, is this a life that I want to emulate? Is this the values that I hold most close to me? Or are these just the values that are like most prevalent around me? You know, the people that I'm surrounded with, this is what they value, but is that different from what I value? Um, I think it's like, that's, it's pretty amazing that you were able to take that time, um, and that experience, excuse me, um, 
to reflect and choose differently. You know, I was thinking about you and um, for this episode and thinking like, you know, I think it's so inspiring that Moni like opted out of some of those prescribed values potentially or whatever prescribed goals even mm-hmm. um, that the people in your community had for themselves. Um, but also I think what's really cool that's coming up in this conversation is like how much you opted into things, right? You opted into the things that actually were really valuable to you, you know, Mm -hmm. mentioning family. Like I also, as you know, have a job where I can work from anywhere. And I had been living in Ecuador before I moved to Toronto. And when I was thinking about my relationship ended and I was thinking about moving, I couldn't stay there anymore. Um, I could have moved anywhere, you know, and some people, when I moved to Toronto, they said, well, why didn't you go to Thailand or, or work from the beach or whatever? (laughs) Um, but it was very similar to your reasoning. There was a huge part of me that missed that sort of daily or weekly connection with my family. Um, and, you know, I had a birthday party this past weekend and my mom was there. That is huge. You know, that hasn't happened since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, so it just means, you know, it's like means so much to me personally to like hear that that was also a factor in your decision making process. Um, and kind of like giving yourself permission for that to be part of your process you know I think those are things that we're not always taught or shown can be part of our decision-making process um you know it's more like about like money and property and kids and whatever Mm -hmm. um but for you to say hey it's actually really important to me that I get to go for canoe trips and see my parents every week like that's beautiful yeah that's really beautiful yeah, I think I've always, um, in in a way, one of my my downsides is that I'm I'm a, I'm actually a very impatient person, mm. which is funny because as stage managers, you know, you're always told <laughs> to be like, okay, it's always the actor, you know, patience, and you know, mm, like mm. your needs are like at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the ladder, like whatever. Right. Make sure everyone else is good, and then you know, and then take care of yourself. Uh, and so I think the fact that I am impatient actually maybe worked in my favor when it comes to. Um, or when it came to goals, uh, specifically buying a house. Um, and I think like now that's how it works too, is that I'll, I'll come up with a goal and then I'll be impatient about it, you know? So yes, absolutely. My goal my whole life was one day I'll own a house, but then I'm like, but when is one day? Yeah. Like, is it going to be when I'm 70 and I can no longer move and I don't want to take the streetcar with all the jam packed people <laughs> like, or, or is it going to be like next year where I'm like, okay, well, let's just get this show on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Like, let's right. let's take life by the, you know. By the horns? By the horns. Make it happen? Yeah, make yeah. it happen. Well, I like that. I like that idea of, you know, letting ourselves be a bit more impatient with it. Because for me, it's always been like the idea of waiting until I was retired to travel, for, ex- for instance, yeah. was something that would just make me crazy. I was like, no. And I remember even from a very early age being like, there's no way. Um, that doesn't make sense to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think a big part of why I'm like, just like excited every year that I get older is because like, I don't have a lot of those regrets. I'm like, I've traveled, I've done all the things, not all of the things, but a lot of the things that I want to do. Yeah. Um, cause I make time for them now. So I think, yeah, just even hearing that is cool to be like, maybe we should be more impatient about our goals. I've never really like thought about it that way. Right. Yeah. It, it does work. It yeah. works in your favor because it, it lights that fire underneath you that goes like, Oh yeah. Okay. I want this so badly. Right. Like it's a goal. I can feel it in my inner core. Uh-huh. Um, much like stage management, being a stage manager was a goal for me. So I did it and I went and I felt good about it. And then I closed that chapter and I have zero regrets about leaving. Yeah. Right. Sure. I miss the people and sure. I miss aspects of the daily life, mm-hmm. but what I have now, I just, I feel so much 
happier because I had that experience and I'll never like, no one can ever take that away from me. That was wonderful. Um, but now I also have this whole new chapter of my life where, Mm. okay, I've done that. Feel great about it. Moving on. My next goal was the house. So now I've bought the house, feel good about it. You know, I'm fixing it up as I can and, and as I can afford it. Um, and then like on to the next goal, whatever that might be, Mm -hmm. uh, which I just, yeah, I think, I think being impatient, (laughs) has actually helped right. speed up the process. Right. And yeah. I think also, um, you know, it sounds like you have been pretty intentional about your goals. You know, it's it, it wasn't just like, I need a house for because that's a check mark on the list that people need. It was like, I need a house because look at my Barbie fort that I used to live in, <laughs> like, all the time and only came out for meals, or maybe not even came out for meals. Um, you know, it was, like, a deeply held thing. And I think sometimes, um, I think it's a really important distinction you're making here between just setting a goal and being impatient for the achievement of that goal versus setting a goal that's, like, based on, like, a really deep-held want or desire or mm-hmm. need, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and really being careful that we're not just setting goals because they're what we're taught to want. Yeah. Um, but really like, what do we actually want? You know? Um, well, I had to think long and hard too about, um, sure. Maybe buying a house would, would offer me the opportunity to eventually have a family here or, um, uh, but I was also leaving like a pretty big pond of opportunities, um, to a pretty small pond. So we're like, talking about romantic, we're opportunities talking here. romantic <laughs> opportunities here, ladies and gentlemen, where, you know, uh, I had to, I had to ask myself the question, even if you never find the man of your dreams, um, in Almont, Ontario, will you be happy there? Like, will you be like, have your home and whatever, and feel like you have like, have no regrets from leaving, you know, Toronto or, or other places that might have more opportunities. And I mean, the answer already, like already is a hard, absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like I could live here until my dying days, you know, and quite happily. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it brings me so much joy. So mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing that's coming up for me again, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but just faith, right. Um, you made that leap and you made it from a really grounded place being like, well, even if this other goal that I have to be in a romantic partnership that is sustaining and beautiful, um, even if that never comes to fruition, is this still a choice I want to make? Yes. Um, but also you did it in, in good faith of like, well, I'm moving and I'm going to trust that whatever is meant to come to me is going to come to me. Um, and like, I know you personally, um, but it would be cool to hear more about like, how, how do you maintain that faith? And is that something that you work on consciously or is that just something that's in the back of your mind? Um, I think I've, I've, I've always been a pretty like positive poly and, and I feel <laughs> like, um, it's, it's that whole, I, I, I would never used to be like that. Actually, there was a very dark time, circa mm. grade seven and eight. <laughs> that was like, those Didn't were the we dark all? years, <laughs> the dark, dark years. Yeah. But there was actually a book that changed my life. And mm. I know people say this all mm. the time, but, um, the book is called write it down, make it happen. Ooh. And, uh, it was conveniently left at my uh, bedside when I came home to visit, uh, my parents at one point And, my mom always had a way of just subtly leaving little, <laughs> little things that were just the right thing that I needed at the right time. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was sort of in the guest room and I was like, what's this? Write it down, make it happen. And I just started reading it. And then I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> and essentially the book talks about how, um, whatever goals you might have in life, write them down. And then like, even if they stay in a book and you never open it again, whatever, you will be amazed at how, how, 
uh, accurately they happen. Mm. Um, and they give amazing examples that like blow, still blow, blow my mind. Um, about like a guy that wanted to be a firefighter and, and sing at Carnegie Hall and go to outer space. And then he like, he actually did all of those three things <laughs> in such a weird roundabout way. Um, and so I was very inspired after reading that book and I was like, okay, I'm just going to like write some goals down and make them happen. And I was at the time working on an opera in Toronto and was having a bit of difficulty. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to adapt this uh, method into my work life. And, you know, I wrote down very tiny goals, like today I'm going to get a meal break or like, you know, like <laughs> some, things like that. And, um, and then like bit by bit, they started happening. And I was like, this is so crazy because it's, it's something like, I want it so badly. I can feel it within like my core. So I'll write down the goal. And then essentially it just like all comes true. So I was like, okay, I may have just found the key to life <laughs> through this book. So I started writing everything down and mm. making everything happen. Mm. And it, it's amazing. I still have all of my journals and beside every single bullet point is a check mark because they've all happened. So it's pretty weird. Um, it's pretty crazy. And then from that, uh, then sort of stemmed this, uh, this positive outlook on life where I was like, okay, like the we just need to be positive. We just need to think mm. positively and sort of have trust and be, you know, have gratitude. And, um, and then I started making vision boards, uh, every year on new year's Eve, I'd make a new life collage for the next year mm -hmm. and then like creepy things. And I mean, you saw it, I yeah. have a vision board with, I might even be somewhere in this lovely linen closet. Um, with a yellow couch, uh, yeah. mustard yellow couch on it. I made that last year. Like mid-century modern, beautiful. Yeah, I was like leather. someday, you know, in, in my living room, I'd love to have like a really like, you know, statement piece yellow couch. And then my mom literally showed up at my door a couple weeks later and she's like, look what I have. And she was holding uh, an arm of a couch um, that was uh, mustard yellow leather with teak framing. And it was on the side of the road between my house and my parents' house, which is like back roads, Lanark County, what are the chances? <laughs> and this woman was dragging this couch out and, and my parents like screeched over <laughs> and, uh, and my mom's like, what's going on? What's going on? And the woman's like, oh, I love this couch. You know, it was my favorite and I've had it since I was a teenager, but you know, we just bought a new one and there's no room. She's like, it's in perfect condition. And my mom, you know, like did the old sniff test with a cigarette. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. it really is in like mint condition. I mean, I've seen this couch. It's like the most gorgeous couch. And like, I mean, you know, you, you, you bring that couch anywhere in Toronto and you could sell it for like easily minimum $3,000. Yeah, like sure. it's just, and it was on the side of the road for right, free. Right. So like two minutes from your house. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what are the chances, right? And what are the chances that they even went that they went a separate route that day that they don't normally go on for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's, it's the life collage is sort of a pictorial version of the write it down, make it mm -hmm. happen. And, uh, I feel like that really works for me. Right. And the more you have evidence of it happening, the easier it must be yeah. to have that faith. And also the thing that sort of like, you know, becoming obvious is like when you're doing that, you're being intentional about it. I mean, I think if you just write in your journal and close the journal, mm -hmm. it can still happen. And I've seen that for myself too. Mm -hmm. But also in this case, you know, you told your parents, Hey, look yeah. at this life collage. I'm looking for a yellow couch. So they even knew that that was on your radar. Yeah, so it's starts... like other people yeah. scoping out <laughs> your dreams for you, yeah. which is really cool. And I mean, it gets to the point where I actually creep myself out. Um, like I was listening I to the CBC about a year ago and I have about a 15 minute window in my mornings where I listen to CBC and I eat my breakfast. Yeah. And 
they had the song come on uh, and it was a song that I knew, but I was like, oh man. And I was really just craving like some good, like solid. And I said out loud, I was like, why don't they play something like Katie Malua, who's like kind of a random artist that I picked out of thin air. And then I kid you not, as soon as I said that out loud, the host was like, oh, that was so-and-so by so-and-so. He's like, next up, Katie Malua. And I was like, Oh my God. Literally, I was like, of all of the artists in all the world, as if the CBC is now playing Katie Malua for me. Like that is just so weird. Yeah. So weird. Right. So So. then in some ways you're kind of like, well, how could I not believe that anything can happen? Exactly. Exactly. If you can believe it, if you can picture it in your mind, it can happen. That's just the way it works. Oh my gosh. That's just the way it works. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, be- I believe in that too. I believe in the law of attraction and I have seen it in my own life, but it's, it's so cool to like hear other people's stories and like watch how you have, you know, practices around that and being intentional and taking the time to like actually set those goals out for yourself. Um, and then being like, well, hello, would you like to sit on my impeccable yellow <laughs> couch? Cause it's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Well, Moni, you are so inspiring to me. I'm sure everybody can hear. Like, I've just been smiling this entire time. I'm just like, (laughs) tell me everything. Like, teach me your ways. Um, Yeah, you inspire me so much. And I'm so excited to see what you do next because, like, you have so many skills. Like, Moni, like, right now is, like, organizing this summer festival. Like, she just has her hands in, like, a million pots. Um, And just you're going to do such amazing things and I can't wait to see what those are. Um, and like, thank you for letting me be here in your happiness guest room, which is also an Airbnb that everybody should stay in. Um, you would be like honored to stay in it. Honestly, I would be honored to have everyone (laughs) come and stay here. Um, and yeah, and all one is actually also worth checking out. I will definitely be back. So thank you for being on my podcast. It means a lot. And, um, I'm going to be coming away with like a lot of nuggets of inspiration. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Sony. Thanks for listening to the Life in Limbo podcast. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or reach out and let me know at Steph Pellet on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can find show notes for this and all episodes at lifeinlimbo.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.